Mayo, how has your week been? Fabulous. I've had to go nowhere, do nothing. Well, work like normal, but no no jet setting. Uh, I haven't been to New York and back twice or wherever you've been. <laughs> <laughs> My week started on Monday. I was supposed to leave Waco at about 5 a.m. We got a little bit of snow in Texas, so then it got pushed to 7 a.m. And I was like, okay, just go back to sleep for a little bit. Then it got pushed to 10 a.m. Then it got pushed to like 11.30. Then five minutes later, it got pushed to like 2 p.m. And then it got canceled. So that presented a few problems for me, but I still was able to make it on Monday to New York City, which I got a demo of Apple Vision Pro that we'll talk about in a little bit. Hung out with our friend Parker Ortolani at the Vox Media offices, our friend Ian Zelbo. Had a good time in New York. Then Thursday, I jet-setted to Detroit for something that I can't talk about yet, but maybe we'll talk about it next week. Got back to Waco last night about 1 a.m., then woke up promptly at 7 a.m. for Apple Vision Pro pre-orders. You almost missed it. I almost missed it. I was tired and my time zones were messed up because I was on Eastern time, then back to Central time. So pre-orders started here at 7 a.m. and I woke up at 6.58. You cut it fine, but you made it, right? <laughs> I made it. I got my Apple Vision Pro pre-order in for launch day delivery. So that's February 2nd. I did do like home delivery. I didn't do in-store pickup because the closest Apple stores are like two hours away, which I'm kind of regretting. I feel like it would have been fun to make the trip, pick it up in store, see everything that's happening. But realistically, I think getting it delivered at home will give me the most time to play with it on day one. What did we learn today for Vision Pro? Well, a few they, new things. they didn't release the tech specs page until the pre-orders went up, which I believe is unprecedented because normally... The Apple like new product launches, you can go on the vision you can go on like their their preview page on the site and although you can't order it yet, they normally have the tech specs page up which tells you like weight and dimensions and like display resolution and like capacity and stuff. None of that was available for the Vision Pro until like the moment the pre orders started. So until you know, five AM, no one a hundred percent knew like whether there be multiple storage sizes, for instance, right? Or like right. what the price would be of those storage sizes. So <laughs> they very caught you in the moment if you were going to buy it being like, what storage size do get? Because how much does it cost? Oh, uh, we got we got order before they ran out of stock. Go, 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 go. And that's how I ended up with 512 gigabytes. Yeah, I was going to say. So obviously it starts at 34.99 for 256 gigabytes. But we learned today that you can get it for 512 gigabyte configuration for 36.99 or a one terabyte configuration for 38.99 that's actually slightly cheaper than what they charge for ipad storage because ipad storage it's like a 600 dollars mm-hmm. increase to go from 256 to one terabyte whereas on the vision pro it's only 400 so you, you know you get a huge saving on your total order uh well but that gives you 200 dollars to spend elsewhere and apple has a lot of ways you can give him 200 more dollars Well, we have a travel case for Vision Pro that's $200, an extra battery you can buy for $200, or an extra light seal that you can buy for $200. So they'll take the $200. I was surprised that the bands are not $200. Like the actual like dual knit, the dual loop and solo knit bands, they're only $99 each. I I thought they'd be more expensive than that. Like that was a pleasant surprise. So what else did we have? Oh, so they sold out pretty, or not sold out, but got back ordered pretty quickly. Uh, mid-March for all of the configurations. I'm sure there's going to be some people read into that, but we don't really we don't really know 
how many Apple had to sell. I think Ming-Chi Kuo said like 60,000 to 80,000 for launch day delivery. But that also includes presumably stock that's going to go to retail stores and who knows how many they actually sold. But it was certainly an easy pre-order process, though. I was had no errors in the Apple Store app at all. Tap the button, scan my face. It does throw up this weird like questionnaire about your vision, which makes sense. But it was it says, do you wear glasses? Do you wear contacts? Do you wear colored contacts? Do you wear different like contacts in one eye but not the other? And when you're tapping through so quickly trying to get through, I was like, I need to make sure I don't make any mistakes here, <laughs> which is one of the reasons it would have been nice to be able to prepare for this pre-order like you can iPhone pre-orders. But I got through just fine. And I think most people did. I didn't see any big problems. And, and you ended up with 512 storage, right? Correct. Yeah. 512 gigabytes. And I bought the $200 travel case because why not? The case looks pretty good. It does. Although I was... For some reason, I was more annoyed spending that $200 than I was buying the headset itself. But, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? When they when you're on the, like, the, the page for the checkout for the Vision Pro and you scroll down, it has like in the box and it's got like seven boxes because you've got all the, yeah. know, the different seals, the two bands, the charger, the battery, the headset itself. I'm like, just wait five years. They'll tell you the environment's important and all these things will be gone. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but for right now, it's like you get quite a lot of stuff in, in the box. The travel case uh, is a lot better than the case they made for the AirPods Max. Uh, which, that is true. Like it's actually a hard case you can put the things in, and it even comes with a little drawstring bag you can fold it over with. So that was a that was a pretty nice surprise. Again, would have been nice to know about that beforehand so you could have prepared your bag and stuff. But they made you do it <laughs> on the fly, impromptu. Who knows? Like storage wise, like until you get the thing. You don't really know whether you're going to use it a lot, a little bit, what date you're going to store on there, what you're going to use it for. Yeah. Like, It really is a bit of a roll the dice on whether you've got the right storage size or not, but it's Gen 1. You just had to guess. So you went for you went down the middle, right? And I think you'll be okay. Like, you know, just make sure you don't keep your photos locally. Use, you know, iCloud Photo um, Library and the apps. You'll just juggle around a little bit, but... I think you're going to be uh, be fine with 512, at least for Gen 1, you know? Like, I can't envision some crazy stuff that's going to be huge, yeah. like tens and tens of gigabytes. Other than photos, like, I don't feel like I'll keep gigantic movies downloaded locally. Like, if I am going to be offline with Vision Pro, I might download one or two movies. Yeah. But I'm not going to download, like, whole seasons of TV shows or dozens of movies but I mean, at least that's what I think right now, but I do keep movies local, like on my Mac. I don't know. It's going to, I don't know, because we'll talk about my demo more in a bit, but again, the Disney plus app, for instance, during my demo, what we watched was streamed, but they have downloads in Disney plus and they didn't do a great job of explaining the storage situation, particularly in the fact that we didn't even know until now. Yeah. I mean, we for downloading the movies for like a plane or something. With 512 storage, you can download. That's you know, plenty. Yeah. yeah, you can download a few and then just delete them. You just won't be able to keep like a massive library offline permanently. But I think most, I think practically speaking, even if you're one of the most prol- prolific Vision Pro users, it's going to stay at home like yep. the vast majority of the time, i.e. in Wi-Fi range, apart from when you maybe go on an airplane and you want to use it for like travel, in which case you can load it up and then you can delete the stuff off of it. So I think 5, 256 might have been a bit touchy uh in some circumstances but 512 is a decent hedge uh, for the future 
And if you really, really like the thing, when the second gen comes out, you can get the yeah. terabyte model, uh, whenever that will be. Uh, just make sure you don't break the thing because uh, repairs are not cheap. Yeah. Because uh, the Apple Care on it alone, if you want Apple Care cover, is four hundred ninety nine dollars. So an entire iPad worth just for Apple Care. If you if you want that, uh, if you if you do break the screen, even with Apple Care, it's two hundred dollars to get the front glass replaced. Uh, the batteries two hundred dollars if you lose the battery or you want a spare battery. A whole device replacement without Apple Care is two thousand three hundred ninety nine dollars. Not bad. So don't break the thing. Let's put it that way. The thing about the Apple Care and the screen replacement too is an out of warranty screen replacement is seven hundred dollars. Apple Care is five hundred dollars. A screen replacement with Apple Care is two hundred dollars. So if you only break the screen once, you don't damage it any other way. There's really no point in buying Apple Care, I suppose. The math is weird on this. Yeah, it is a bit random. Uh, I am a bit worried about that outer display that. Oh yeah, he's yeah. curved and lenticular and everything else. Like a curved OLED glass display on the outside doesn't sound the most resilient thing in the world. So f- fingers crossed it holds up. I'm sure some random YouTuber is going to drop test the thing, so that'll be interesting. Uh, but even if the outside—I mean, it wouldn't be nice. But even if the outside display does break, it won't affect the user, the wearer's experience, right? The inside stuff's all pretty theoretically, yeah, enclosed, yeah, like. It's just the other person won't be able to see your your eyes. <laughs> but yeah, so we're, again, it's a first-gen product. We'll have to see what happens. You don't really know how this is going to all play out. But if you keep it at home, it's hard to see that it's going to take serious dings and dangs unless you do just straight drop the thing. Uh, and you do but, get a polishing cloth in the box, and it is a slightly different polishing cloth. You know the one difference? It just it's got has the little logo Apple, on it. Apple Vision Pro logo at the bottom. So, And I don't think we said, but you got it for launch day, right? Correct. February 2nd. Oh, and there's also the Belkin accessory, which we oh, yeah. didn't mention. The $50 clip that lets you attach the battery pack to like your belt loop or whatever. Seems fine. I guess if you don't want to put it in your pocket or you don't have pockets or you don't want to hold it. Well, this was something that German reported in the run-up like last year was mm-hmm. that some engineers in Apple were like worried that they were going to alienate like women who wear dresses and stuff because if you have oh, an external yeah. battery, you can't, you know you're unlikely to have available pockets with some types of clothing, especially female clothing. And apparently, at one point, they were talking about like Apple making a clip and just including it in the box as well, or it being like an add-on accessory. But obviously, what they've landed on is just letting their pseudo partner Belkin make it for them. Because um, during my demo at WWDC, we I put it in my pocket when I stood up to do the Encounter Dinosaur demo mm-hmm. thing. And it's heavy in your pocket. I can't... I mean, it's going to be heavy if you clip it to the side of your pants, too. So I don't entirely know if you have pockets if you need this clip, but whatever. It's that was the bucks. other thing we found out today was the actual weight, right? There's been so much oh, talk yeah. about whether the device is heavy or not. They finally wrote down the weight on Apple.com. The battery is like 350 grams. The headset itself is like 600 grams, which is slightly heavier than like a Quest um, device. Uh, but it's a heavy unit. It's not... It's not um, it's not light, and the the weight varies depending on which light seal and headband configuration mm-hmm. you actually get. It's between like six hundred and six hundred and fifty grams. Uh, so if you add in the battery, that's a kilogram you're carrying around for <laughs> for the headset. Uh, the The ordering process was not uh, was not terrible. Like it was basically like ordering anything else, except before you got 
anywhere you had to do the face id scan thing where mm-hmm. it, you know and you can order it from safari on the mac if you don't order it through apple store app it just it just pops up a like qr um yeah qr code but not the qr code the what, what do the apple call them you know the the app, app clips clip. the app clip code things yeah you scan one of them and it pops up on the phone the face id thingy app so then it scans it it tells you it puts the fit into the website and then you can carry on and check out you go past the lens questionnaire and then you pick storage and you basically buy so as being a international uh per resident i cannot buy the thing legally at the moment but i did go through the ordering process up until pressing the buy button uh so i did my scan and i believe me and you have according to the scanning app the exact yeah. same uh, options which was mmw21 in terms of light seal and band sizes i don't know about I, that now i'm worried that i got the wrong size or maybe uh, you got I, the wrong I, size I, yeah i mean we've never met in person but our heads are pretty different <laughs> shapes <laughs> like, i took the scan thing three separate times because i was so worried about getting the right because i'm doing the delivery like to my house i'm not going to the apple store because mark german did say that if you pick it up at an apple store and you get the wrong size they can swap it for you there assuming they have it in stock but if i get it delivered to my house and it doesn't fit i'm going to be very very sad be looking at something that i can't put on my head yeah that did when when you wrote in slack that you were mm21 (laughs) and i was like wait i was mmw21 as well (laughs) that sounds wrong but We'll find out. I mean, I'm sure they'll let you do swaps online too, or you better take go back, drive to the store, and swap it there or something. Like they'll be amenable to it. But yeah, hopefully the scanning process is accurate. But that did so exceed a doubt. Maybe mine's yours wrong, is wrong. And yours right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you and we did learn that if you are trying to buy it from non the US at the moment, the device will require a US Apple ID to even work. So that's a pain if you don't have one. And you know, apps and content are all US specific. But if you can get a U- if you can get your hands on a US Apple ID, you can probably import it and be okay. But I'm I'm not going to bother with that. The problem for most people, I think, is going to be the prescription because mm. you need a valid prescription from a United States eye physic eye doctor, and that's hard to get if you aren't in the United States. I know some people have apparently found a workaround of some sort that they won't really talk about, but. It's possible if you really want it. I know our friend Sigmund is coming to the U.S. to pick one up. So people are finding ways who really want it to get get it on day one. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that I'm not, like, chomping at the bit for this this, this generation. I can. You didn't have any FOMO today? Nah. I'd, I'd settled it with myself. I mean, I, I, if someone wants to drop one off at my house, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> but, like, I still struggle. And this is something we'll be talking about for months, right? But, like... Even if I did get one for free, I don't know if I'd be using it in two months' time. You know, it just, I, I can't see the longevity in this current generation. Uh, it's cool and, and slick, but practical use cases seem thin on the ground. So that helps my FOMO situation. Like the Apple Watch, I was there day one buying it, you know? Like, yeah. But even then, if it, if it launched US only, I would have waited. I'd have just done like day one UK release because I, 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 I don't travel in my own country, let alone traveling cross-continental to pick up a product <laughs> and bring it back home again. Uh, but at least a Vision Pro 1.0 doesn't doesn't float my boat, you know, fully. Like, it, there's there's definitely cool aspects to it, and I'd love to try it out, and I'll probably go and get, like, an Apple Store demo or whatever when it comes here. And there was some good news that that might be sooner rather than later, right? Um, yeah. So a couple of months, like, before WWC is what German said rather than... Or what, or what Quo said rather than 
by the end of the year, which is what the official app line is at the moment. But that's a that's a thing for another day. You can enjoy yours on February the second, and we can definitely talk about it in detail from at least your perspective then. And my goal is to make you as miserable as possible because you won't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for you to FaceTime me from within it and I can see yeah. your persona. It's going to be great. We should record an episode where I'm wearing Vision Pro. I don't know how that would work from an audio standpoint. I probably have to like use my Mac. Well, use the Vision Pro microphones. But then, I don't, I don't know. It's the same iPad problem probably where you like can't do multiple audio channels or whatever, you know? Probably can't record a podcast on Vision Pro. But we'll give it a shot. Yeah. The iPad problem is a big factor in the long-term longevity <laughs> element. Uh, yeah. Like, it is in many ways an iPad on your face. And I don't use an iPad day-to-day at all. I don't even have an iPad at the moment. So <laughs> the Vision Pro is kind of the same axis in, in some ways. Anyway, we'll see. We'll talk about it more. We are sponsored this week by Pillow. Pillow is the best sleep tracker app for your Apple Watch, iPhone, or iPad to help you uncover the scientifically proven benefits of good sleep. Go to pillow.app and use promo code HAPPYHOUR23 to get 30% off an annual subscription to Pillow Premium. Sleep better with Pillow, your smart sleep assistant. Pillow analyzes your sleep cycles automatically using your Apple Watch, or if you don't have a watch, you can place your iPhone or iPad on the mattress near your pillow. Pillow will automatically detect and analyze your sleep patterns, and you can review last night's sleep report right on your watch with heart rate analysis and more. Pillow uses an advanced sleep cycle analysis algorithm based on the latest scientific findings in sleep research. You can view detailed heart rate graphs and a sleep stage diagram that shows how you transition from being awake to REM, light sleep, and deep sleep stages. And Pillow integrates with the Apple Health app to update your sleep metrics in the health database too. You can even use Pillow as a smart alarm clock that aims to wake you up at a time when you're in the light possible sleep stage so you can start your day fresh and relaxed. Record noises of the night so you can hear things like snoring, sleep apnea, and sleep talking. Simply put, Pillow is the best sleep tracker for your Apple Watch, iPhone, and iPad. And exclusively for Happy Hour listeners, you can use offer code HAPPYHOUR23 to get 30% off an annual subscription of Pillow Premium. Find out more at Pillow.app. That's Pillow.app. Pillow. Sleeping better. Made simple. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. One other thing I meant to say about the pre-order process, because people keep asking me, is I did not end up being on a plane when pre-orders opened. So that <laughs> factor was removed. That crisis was averted because of the snow and all my flights got changed. So no, I was at home for pre-orders and still almost overslept. But anyway, I got it. You also got to try out. Yeah, part of the reason for my travel was Apple invited me to New York to go hands-on with Vision Pro. So this was my second demo different than the first one but similar in a lot of ways and still very cool i think one of the conclusions i reached in my write-up about the demo was pretty much right when i put vision pro on this time i was reminded about why i was so excited about it after wwdc because we've talked a little bit about how my excitement has ebbed and flowed since then but once i was back inside vision os it was like being right at home i missed it the learning curve is like riding a bike almost. Like I learned all of the gestures at WWDC. I put the headset on this week and the Apple employee who was helping me said, do you remember all the gestures? And I said, I think so, but I might need some help on some of them. I didn't really need any help. It came right back to me. I mean, that is a good, a good, a good, not review, but you know what I mean? Like a good statement right there. Like the intu- I do think the eye tracking is the best part of this product. And mm-hmm. even if, the Vision Pro didn't exist. They should 
somehow find a way to put eye tracking like every apple product you know like just glance and tap or glance and blink or glance and just think like getting closer and closer to mind reading is like taking away barriers right like your your motions today on a laptop go through a trackpad or a mouse like if you could just like look at stuff and the computer could just know you could select it it just feels like you're you're, you're streamlining in the process and that is what you get to do with the vision pro because it's strapped in your face with a load of cameras looking at your eyeballs right so it knows exactly where you're looking if, again you'll find out for sure when we actually get the things but at least right now it feels like the accuracy is very 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 high and the apps do have some like they are designed a, a bit to have lower inform- information density and like spaces yeah. between elements so that you can mm-hmm. target them with your eyes but it's not like a it's not like toy, you know, it's not like um, a TV, Apple TV interface where there's like yeah. six things on the screen. It's closer to an iPad in terms of density. So that that is practically useful in terms of UI layout. One of the things at WWDC that I remember kind of struggling with at first was your instinct is to turn your whole head to look at something where in actuality, you just have to use your eyes. So if you're looking at the grid of apps your first instinct is to look up a little bit to select something on the top row. But then gradually you learn that you don't have to move your whole head to look up. You just have to move your eyes. Yeah. So it's like you're, you're trained on like motion controls, right? Like accelerometers, right? Where you're like moving your hand or moving your head. But here you can like, your head can be completely stationary and you can just glance Mm -hmm. with your eyeballs and you don't actually have to move your head at all. One of the differences was the setup process where you calibrate your, your eye tracking so they put like 12 circles around the outside part of your field of view and you move your eyes from each one and you blink on each one you go through that three separate times and then you're done your eye tracking's calibrated and i think that setup process where you're basically training yourself to just use your eyes helps a lot once you get into vision os itself another thing that was different too is so they sized me with the same process that everybody used this morning for pre-orders went to the demo room after that. And they said basically right off the bat that they suggested that I use the dual loop band instead of the solo knit band, which I found somewhat interesting that that was their suggestion because clearly they think the solo knit band is the ideal solution because that's what they show in almost all of the marketing images. It's clearly the more aesthetically pleasing choice so I don't know if it was something about my measurement that prompted them to suggest this, this dual loop band because I was on the second day of the demos that they were doing in New York City. Maybe they got feedback on day one that most people wanted the dual loop band. I don't know. I found that interesting, though, that they, for some reason, they thought that would be the best option for me. Yeah, most of the demos from other people, seemed to they seemed to go for like solo net first in terms of what they were given. And then if they said, oh, this is hurting or this is uncomfortable, then they would change it to the dual loop. So I don't know what your circumstance was different there, but they obviously went for you dual loop right away. Did you write WWC that it was uncomfortable in your head or something? They like remembered it? I don't think like, so, oh. no. Yeah. Um, I thought maybe that they got so much feedback on the first day of demos that they just changed their strategy for day two. Maybe. Because on, so on the day one, it, like write-ups, like yeah. I'd say over half of the write-ups were like, I put on the solo knit band. It started to hurt my face. I put on the dual loop band. It was much better. <laughs> so yeah. at some point, they maybe just were like, well, we'll just give everybody dual loop. The dual loop does seem to do a really good job of distributing the weight. 
because that was another thing that was kind of a theme in a lot of the write-ups about this round of demos, that it's heavy. For me, I didn't notice, I noticed the weight right when I put it on for the first three or four or five minutes maybe, but then it just gradually like disappeared. I didn't notice it. And part of that is you're distracted by whatever you're doing in Vision OS. So maybe if you're sitting there watching a two and a half hour movie, you'll either be so engulfed in the movie that you'll forget, or you might get slightly bored that you're not doing anything else and start to feel the weight. But compared to other people, I didn't notice the weight as much as they seem to. But you were using the Julia band from the beginning. That so, is correct. Yeah. Like, I honestly think that's a big trend. All the people complaining about weight were wearing the Solonet band. And there was a quote that went around from an Engadget reviewer who basically wrote that, you know, I was in pain, full stop. And that got tweeted around a lot um, as being like, well, clearly it's a negative. But at that point, she was wearing the solo knit band. And then if you read the next paragraph, they changed to the jewel loop band and she said it felt a lot better. Like the solo knit band is clearly the aspirational design that Johnny yeah. Ive and Co. dreamed up eight years ago, you know? And they were like, we just want it to be a straight front to back thing. You have the, the headset on the front and a symmetrical band on the back. And you can use this little dial to tighten or loosen it and it'd be fantastic. And then somewhere between eight years ago and today, they realized that a lot of people were struggling with weight distribution. And so now the dual loop band is not only available as an option, it's included in the box. Like that is a clear signal. Apple doesn't like putting stuff in boxes. You know, <laughs> they just don't give you loads of accessories <laughs> generally. But here they are hedging their bet. They don't want the entire takeaway of this product to be the weight's a problem. And so they obviously there are designers inside Apple that love the solo knit band and you can see why it's way more aesthetically pleasing. It's way more elegant in terms of just one thing to put on your face. It doesn't disrupt your hair yeah. as much. Like you can see most of your head when you're wearing that band, whereas the julep, you know, literally is just more surface area covering parts of your the, the front of your face and your head. Um, and it requires more manual adjustment because it's like individual things you have to tighten rather than just like one dial thing. Um, so if they could get away with just solo knit, they, I'm sure they would, but it, it carries a very big message that the dual loop band is in the box. And based on the initial first impressions from this week, seems like the majority of people are going to be using that band full time rather than the solo knit band. I think in general, Vision Pro is just very much your mileage may vary. It's going to feel great for some people, bad for some people. I think it's good that they are giving you both those bands in the box so you have a choice and you can hopefully have more options to find something that fit that fits it's kind of almost like airpods versus airpods pro where some people just can't get over the feeling of airpods pro going into your ears that's me in-ear headphones yeah i don't really like them like and airpods pro have so many more features than base airpods right like that's, yeah. i would love to use the in-ear ones um, and with AirPods, if I did have Vision Pro, I'd have to use <laughs> the AirPods Pro. Uh, but I, the feeling just uh, just never sits right with me. And maybe if I did it for two months, I'd get used to it. <laughs> but if I got the choice, I'll just pick base AirPods every time, you know. And I do wonder with that with Vision Pro too, like even with the Solonet band, like does your head kind of adapt? And if you wear it like that for a month, does your head just get better at weight distribution? Yeah. You start ignoring it more. Um, whereas the dual loop is more of just a, a straight up, you can use this from the beginning. Whereas solo loop, so like solo knit, your head just kind of has to adjust. There were some funny tweets and stuff this week of people doing like, you know, uh, gifts of like neck exercises with like the athletes yeah. who got like, you know, like the F1 drivers who have to um, build up their neck muscle because of all the G forces. You clearly don't need that for this headset, right? Like, no. I think the dual loop, the, the, the dual loop band will be sufficient for most people. 
Um, and if you can get away with a solo knit, solo knit band, then great. And it will be interesting to see people that commit to the solo knit band if a month down the road, do they still feel pain when they're wearing it, for instance. Uh, but I think a lot of people will just give up before then just go straight to the jewel loop band. This would be a way worse problem if it wasn't in the box, right? Like, yeah. At least Apple has had the self-realization and the and the hubris to be like, we're not going to make this the gate, you know. Just give it, just give people the both bands and get on with it. Uh, in terms of your demo, what like software features did you do this time that you didn't do at WWDC? So one of them was JigSpace, which is basically an app that creates augmented reality objects. And the demo I saw was of an F1 car, and it put the F1 car in the room where we're doing the demo. You can adjust the scaling. You can reach in and use the tap gestures to pick apart certain parts of the car. It's a great demo, and I can see ways that JigSpace could make... I can see ways where this very F1 racing car demo could be useful for people maybe involved in the F1 world. I can see other applications of these AR demos that could be useful. Yeah, I mean, industrial use cases for AR VR headsets are Mm -hmm. pretty widespread already, right? Like Microsoft HoloLens has no consumer (laughs) penetration at all, but they have sold it to certain industries and like factories and training and those companies where they can buy a few you know, a handful of multi-thousand dollar headsets and it doesn't show up on their balance sheet and then they can pay somebody to make like an app that's custom tuned to their use case. Direct obvious reasons why ARV headsets have a role there. And the jig space thing kind of feels more closer to that in my head rather than like something a random person off the street is going to use. Like the entertainment use cases are still the, the priority, I think, for like, what you can do as an individual with a Vision Pro and you're actually going to want to do day-to-day. I think the F1 car example is great for like the shock factor. Yes. There are other ways too where you can use this AR object idea. I mean, for placing furniture, for looking at sizes of different products that you're thinking about buying. There are other ways that this sort of place this object in your room and look at it with Vision Pro could be used. Happy Hour This Week is sponsored by Coda. Check them out for free at coda.io slash happy hour. Working from home is great. Obviously, me and Chance have been doing it for as long as we can remember for 9to5Mac. And I'm also completely remote with my app development contract work as well. All I need is a laptop and decent Wi-Fi. But work from home also means collaborating with others naturally, especially when you're spread across time zones. You really need an all-in-one tool to keep everyone on the same page. And that's where Coda comes in. Coda brings together the best documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. Centralize your processes and share knowledge easily with your team with Coda. No more ping-ponging between all different tabs and tools. Coda is everything in one place. You can easily stay aligned by managing all of your planning cycles in a single place, set and manage objectives with full visibility across all of your teams, and communicate and collaborate on documents, product roadmaps, meeting notes instantly. And Coda is also endlessly customizable. They have hundreds of templates for all types of work, and you can get inspired by others with the Coda Gallery. Use packs to easily set up integrations with things like Google Calendar, GitHub, and Microsoft Teams. If you want a platform that empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. Head over to coda.io slash happy hour. That's spelled C-O-D-A dot I-O slash happy hour to get started for free. Coda.io forward slash happy hour thanks to coda for sponsoring the show
Another thing was the Disney Plus app that was Apple announced in a press release that Disney Plus would be supported with their own environments on Vision Pro from day one. And I got to try some of those environments. There was, I watched a trailer for a Star Wars movie inside Luke Skywalker's land speeder. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan and it was overlooking plant, what's it called? Planet Tatone or whatever. I don't know. A very good Disney Plus demo, a very good demo if you're a Star Wars fan. Even me, not a Star Wars fan. Wait, you mean Tatooine? Tatooine, yeah. Yeah. Tatooine, that's a funny pronunciation. I don't... (laughs) Okay, anyway. (laughs) It looked cool. It didn't matter what it was called. It was very cool. And there was... The one I liked was the Disney Plus Theater, which is apparently inspired by El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. Just like a very fancy theater of sorts where you can watch a movie there is a marvel one and i believe that these have like some like interaction with the actual app so like they have like an environment and then when you start playing something it like dims and i think someone oh, yeah. said that yep. they saw like the dual moons of tatooine or whatever like it's more than just like it's not just like a, a static video like it is like a rendered environment that can oh yeah react. absolutely and you can yeah you look around and it's all around. It's not just in front of you. It's not just like it's per- it's not just like a background that mm. it's putting the movie on top of. It wraps all the way around you. There's different sounds, like environmental sounds. When you're watching a movie, you can it not only dims, but you can also like the movie integrates with the environment around you. You can see like the little reflections and it's very clearly not just a picture it's not put on. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the environments thing is obviously Apple has the environments that are built in, but they've obviously worked with Disney with like a private API situation because any mm-hmm. random app cannot offer environments like that today. With That's like what the, I was wondering because I yeah. was surprised that Disney Plus has all of this on day one. Yeah, I mean, obviously Disney had the, they got the segment in the WWDC presentation as well, right? Where some of those environments were shown off. So I think what's probably happening here is like Apple's working with Disney and maybe some select other partners right now. And then by Vision OS 2.0, they'll have it formalized into like the SDK. So any app can pr- supply environments to the system. Because also we learned this week that the TV app uh, will offer an environment, which is the cinema room, more like a traditional cinema room. Uh, mm-hmm. But that cinema, because they, sh- I've seen uh, screenshots of that cinema year room environment like last year. But at the time, I didn't realize that's not just like an environment you can pick from the main like Vision OS system. That's exclusive to the TV application, and so Disney then has their ones that are exclusive to the Disney app. And maybe in the long arc of time, the these like third party apps will be able to like extend the system environment. So like the Disney environment can be used anywhere in the system using any application, not just the Disney app. Uh, yeah. But right now it's like enclosed to each individual application itself. But it's still cool. And like it, it it's just it's it just is. that little bit extra, right? That like um you have you have your 2D movie streaming, you have your 3D movie streaming, but you can also be in like a Star Wars environment while you do it. Like that's just some little extra whimsy that it would be sad if it wasn't there and it they've already gone for it, so that's great. And they did announce in terms of like functionality, so the Disney Plus app is basically the ipad app right with opaque backgrounds etc etc but it does have the sidebar with like the ornaments so the navigation on the left is split out uh, and you get the environments option there uh, and the different categories but also when you're playing content uh, disney is committed to streaming at least some of their 3d library 
in 4K, mm-hmm. which is unusual because Blu-rays, if you get 3D Blu-rays, they're 1080p, right? So high-resolution 4K um, 3D movies like Avatar, and some of them will even be in higher frame rate. So rather than 24 FPS, you actually get 48 FPS. So they're going, they're going all out, and that's a pretty big commitment from a third-party company, right? So uh, I, was, I was glad to see that. I got some basically the same clips of immersive videos. I did notice that the basketball game clip had been removed and Apple said they replaced it with some more underwater clips, which was an interesting decision because I liked the basketball demo example of immersive video quite a bit. There was also a demo of Keynote, which I think I'm right in remembering that this is the only Apple like of the iWork apps that's going to have a Vision Pro version at launch, I think. At launch, yeah. yeah. So I got to practice like I was Tim Cook standing on the stage of the Steve Jobs Theater, like practicing a practicing a keynote. That was cool. That was pretty nifty. Spatial photos, spatial videos. Didn't get to watch any of my own spatial photos or videos, but got to see a couple of new ones that I didn't see at WWDC. Got to see a spatial video that was shot on iPhone 15 Pro and compare it to one that was shot on Vision Pro. The Vision Pro spatial video was clearly better in that it had more depth to it than the version shot on the iphone 15 pro and that's that's i mean that's just because spatial vision pro has a 3d camera and iphone 15 pro does not as we've talked about yeah and it's and it's it's um photographic lenses are just further apart so there's more parallax because the lenses are more separated whereas obviously on the iphone there's only like two centimeters between them because i remember at wwdc thinking spatial videos were very very cool one of the best parts of my demo but then the realization then hit me that well you're only going to be able to shoot spatial video while you're wearing a vision pro and then it's like okay how many different opportunities are you going to have to strap vision pro to your head and take a spatial video if you're going to go to a concert you're not going to bring vision pro and take a spatial video because at wwdc we didn't know that the iphone 15 pro would be able to shoot spatial video so that kind of raises my excitement level for spatial video quite a bit, just because it's so much easier now to take them and to build your own library of things, a library of memories that you can relive on Vision Pro. Eyesight. What do you want to know about eyesight, Mayo? So you saw, you didn't get to actually have your eyes projected into the front camera, into the front screen, because they didn't have time to set up the personas, right? And eyesight Correct, is a 3D yeah. rendering based on the persona. But you saw... An Apple employee looking, wearing a headset, looking at you, so you could see their eyes for the first time. Right? Did it look weird? What did it, What did you think about it? <laughs> the, it's a weird feature. I think when you're looking at the person and you're seeing that rendering of their eyes, that's the weird part. And then they, for instance, they blink and the rendering blinks. It's or they laugh and you can like see the expression on their eyes change as they're laughing. That part is a little bit weird and i don't know if the purpose gets across super well to the person on the other end so me in this instance like so for like but at no time were you like anyway convinced that you're actually looking at somebody's eyes you know like the illusion doesn't work the illusion it works when they're not when the person's not doing anything it's it reminds me a lot of the persona demo that i saw in june with facetime so i facetimed with an apple employee who was wearing vision pro and i was looking at their persona and before they started talking 
hard to tell that it was a persona, not just them. But once they started talking, it became it became clear that specifically like around their mouth that it wasn't actually them. And I think eyesight kind of has that same problem where once the person starts blinking or their expression changes a lot, it becomes clearer that you're not actually looking at their eyes. Because obviously it doesn't have like the same level of fidelity as like human skin. Right. Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see any of the like the, the 3D-ness of like the lenticular screen? What do you mean by that? Like, because like, if you look at it, like, uh, I don't know if you were just looking at this person like face on, but like, supposedly, if you look at it an angle, it will give you a different projection, i.e., the angle of the eyes, as if you were like looking at them mm. from the side rather than it being like painted on the front, like a painting. I did not notice that. I was standing straight in front of the person. Yeah. Okay. So you wouldn't really. So that's you probably really why. That part then, because um, like that's the thing, right? This feature they've gone like above and beyond to try and make it as realistic as possible, but. I still think you're going to hit the uncanny valley situation like you like you just described. Do you think it has any value, though, in terms of, like, if you were, like, a layperson, does it make you more comfortable being in a room with somebody wearing it or not? I think so. I don't think it's necessarily uncanny valley so much as that you can't masquerade the fact that it's not the person's eyes, you know? And I'd be curious. I'm curious to see once people have Vision Pro, like, outside of these controlled demos... If, say, I was someone like maybe my wife who doesn't know that that's... She doesn't know really what eyesight is or how it works or that it's not just showing your actual eyes. Will she be able to tell? Like, how obvious will it be to people who aren't specifically looking for flaws, kind of like I was and how everybody else who had who has had these demos are? Yeah, it's like, how strong is the illusion? Like, I feel like you're at least going to get people to do, like, a double take. Like, they might be... Yeah. Like, Oh, it's it's a transparent screen. And then they'll look again and be like, oh, no, it's like a projection thing. Which is exactly how the FaceTime demo for me was at WWDC. And then once people realize it's a projection, I don't know, and I guess we won't really know until we get them in person, like whether you actually retain any of the human connection, which is kind of what Apple did the feature, right? Like they're trying to keep you connected to the other people in the room and not be separated by, you know, what is really an opaque computer in between <laughs> and i don't quite know if it hits the bar or not i kind like i get the idea of it and if it worked 100 percent, i think it'd be good but it, it's not so bad that it's like a embarrassment or like a joke you know like it's like in that weird middle ground where it's like it kind of works but does it actually serve a purpose in in this state <laughs> you know what i mean i think it's better than nothing i think it's significantly better than nothing it's better than if you're just looking at a black a black box that was strapped to somebody's face. Because the other part of it is the colors that show up on the outside of the screen on Vision Pro when you're doing something. So you open an app and eyesight changes in real time to show a shimmer of color, kind of. It's like a top of a HomePod. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Signaling to the people around you, the person around you, that you're doing something, you're in an app. You might not be paying full attention to them. When you enter an environment and depending on how you adjust your level of immersion in that environment, the color kind of, it ebbs and flows based on how immersed you are in that environment, if that makes sense. I mean, they could just do that with like an LED though. Like they don't need the the eyes part. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that will probably take us a few months to fully evaluate. Like, is it worth it? (laughs) Like, could the thing be $300 cheaper if they just didn't bother with an OLED screen that's 3D and lenticular and... All yeah. the outside glass, like it could maybe be even be lighter if he didn't have all those components in there. Like I don't know, something we'll have to 
it, it's, it immediately draws attention. Let's put it that. I think I think the number one reason why they did it is that it differentiates them from every other headset, right? Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's different. Is it good? Is it useful? Is it better? That's question marks. But it's definitely different and stands out. That's what I mean when I say it's it's better than nothing. Yeah. If you look at Vision Pro and you see eyesight, and it's clear that Apple's trying something here, then you go look at a MetaQuest Pro or MetaQuest 3, and it really is just a isolated black box strapped to your face. Or like white box with black holes for the cameras. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I say it's an attempt to do something different than that. And I think it's it's phase one in doing that well. It definitely reminds me a bit of like the original Apple Watch as well, where the bezels are quite thick. So like the actual part mm-hmm. of the screen that lights up is quite small. It's not the entire of the front glass, you know, because they obviously have to fit the cameras yeah. around it. And maybe in a couple of years when they can make that front display bigger, it would have more of an impact, you know. Like it feels like I don't feel like it's so terrible that they're just going to scrap it. Like, it feels like they could iterate no, it and no. try again. Yeah. I think I walked away just as impressed, if not more impressed, than after the WWDC demo. It's still very clearly, like, this first-generation product, and that's been said time and time again at this point. One thing I was thinking about, though, is the learning curve for the person wearing it, but also for the people around you. And this kind of relates to the eyesight thing to a degree. Mm-hmm. Once these things are more out in the real world than they are now, and even than they will be once they start start shipping, but people are going to have to learn what it means when this person's sitting there in a Vision Pro and there's colors on the screen versus when there's their eyes on the screen. There's an indicator for when you're taking a picture or video. There's very much a learning curve here for everybody involved. Yeah, and I and I think even if you've been super charitable about its use cases. Most Vision Pros are staying at home apart from when you're on like yeah. traveling, like on either on like the train or the plane. So it will be a very slow burn in terms of like ingratiating itself into culture. You know, you're only selling a few hundred thousand to start with and 80%, 90% of the time they're just going to be used by single people at home, like, you know, individual people at home. Um, so it's a slow, it's a slow process, uh, but uh, you can call it stupid. You can call it useless. It's cool. It is 100% cool. And the Apple sheen of that sustains. And finally this week, Happy Hour is sponsored by Incogni. Get an exclusive 60% discount at incogni.com slash happy hour. You might not know that there are hundreds of commercial databases and people search sites that hold your personal information. They aggregate stuff like your name and aliases, social security number, home address, online activity, and more. And all of this is made available for purchase by businesses and it could fall into the hands of criminals. In a nutshell, your personal information is being sold or published online without you even knowing about it. Now, you actually have the legal right to protect your privacy and request data brokers delete the information that they hold about you. But the bad news is that would take you ages to actually do all that manually. And that's just once. You actually have to keep repeating the process every few months as new data brokers continue collecting data and creating new records about you. And so Incogni is the solution. They do all the work on your behalf. You sign up, you tell them what personal data you want removing, and you let them handle it. They contact data brokers on your behalf to request your data is removed. They deal with any objections, they keep you updated, and they keep protecting your data privacy for as long as you use the service. Sign up and they maintain your data privacy. 
So check them out right now at incogni.com slash happy hour and get 60% off your subscription with promo code happy hour. That's spelled I-N-C-O-G-N-I dot com slash happy hour. Promo code happy hour. Incogni.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Incogni for sponsoring the show. One of the things that was different about this Vision Pro Demo 2 is that there are pictures of everybody who got the demo wearing Vision Pro for the first time. So this is the first time other than the interview that Tim Cook did with Robin Roberts right after WWDC, anyone's been seen wearing Vision Pro. No Apple executive has been seen wearing it. All of the marketing images, the marketing images are all that we've seen and those haven't really changed since WWDC. So what do you think of Apple's strategy here of finally letting pictures of people wearing Vision Pro out into the real world. Well, it was funny that they are letting pictures of people wearing it come out, but still they're holding back a bit because you weren't allowed to take pictures of yourself. Yes. <laughs> it was the Apple the employees who took pictures of you and then they and then they gave you the pictures to publish. It's I mean, it's kind of classic Apple, right? Like they they mm-hmm. they lock it down. I do think the the I don't really understand why they wanted they wouldn't just let you freely take a picture of it i i have i've been trying to mow that over and i don't really have a good answer the 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 person responsible for taking the photos was clearly been briefed by the pr group to like take the same photos of every single person because almost all the pictures look the same apart from obviously the person wearing it where they have you like hold up your hand at the end or whatever and the you've got your like hands together as if you're like scrolling and then there's one of you like looking to the distance like and it's funny because like that pose is not the typical vision pro experience because like your yeah. hand by your lap uh whereas you don't you don't have to have your hands like fatiguing in the air this whole time you you know a lot of the time you, you the eyes can, the cameras can see you just by holding it in your lap and you just tap with your fingers and you look with your eyes so i didn't think it was weird they like clearly chose that as a pose that they wanted people to take pictures of and share around and also the pictures very obviously like cut out the battery like that you see the wire like you see the wire trailing from the headset but none of the pictures have a, the actual battery in frame and and so clearly there were some conscious choices there about what they wanted to spread in terms of what they wanted pr to have access to in terms of what the press to have access to does it really make a difference though because in you know in another two weeks everybody will have them and they'll take as many pictures as you please yeah like and they weren't being a hundred percent favorable to themselves because they were taking the photos with the iphone main camera and the iPhone main camera focal distance is like, if you take something, if you take a picture of a face close up, it kind of warps the image a little bit, like fish eyes it. So the headset almost looks more ungainly in these shots than it does in real life. Like if you compare the shots to what they're like official press shots, which are taken at like, you know, 50, 85 millimeter focal distances, more like the, um, you know, like the 5X lens for like, you know how they said with the iPhone 15, you can take really nice portraits with the iPhone, with the 5X lens on a, like mm-hmm. a, a far distance if they wanted to take the best beauty shots of the vision pro on you they should use, they should have used the 5x lens right on on the iphone but they they all taken with the 1x camera so it's not like they, they 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 clearly had an objective not to show the battery in the photo but yeah they could have taken even better photos if they really wanted to so it was a bit of a weird choice and it does kind of almost just rate it makes more people like 
suspicious of it than really needs to be because it's like what are they hiding you know like the thing's shipping in two weeks time it's not like an air power mat you know like it's like you can yeah. literally buy it and it's coming and as mark goma reported next week some press will get review units or whatever and they're not going to stop the reviewer from taking photos from any angle they please so i'm not really sure why they did it but it was kind of a funny thing and it's almost become a meme at this point because you can get like a mosaic of every reviewer holding their hands in the exact same position as a apple person has taken a picture of them wearing this headset and in some of the photos of the headset of people wearing the headset um you can see like the ears are folded over by the band like they obviously controlled it to some degree but they they could have gone even further if they really wanted to you know so it was a weird kind of middle ground where i wasn't sure where they were getting the value out of it but it was nice to see actual people wearing the thing the worst thing for me is that there isn't an executive wearing it. That is disappointing. I really? Think. I think it, I like, you know, when, when the Apple Watch was announced, the moment the Apple Watch was announced, Tim Cook revealed his wrist and he was wearing one, you know, like. Yeah. I'm trying to think, have we seen like executives wearing AirPods that much? That might be a good current example where, like, I'm trying to rack my brains. I don't really remember seeing photos like Tim Cook wearing AirPods and stuff or like Greg Josbeck wearing AirPods. I don't think it really happened. You know, when we did see a bunch of Apple executives wearing AirPods, though, is when Apple started doing interviews during COVID. Like that is true. Press interviews. Yeah. Because there's, I think it was Craig Federighi who was wearing AirPods Pro in one of those. And you could see him like every couple like minutes reach up and push him farther back in his ear. Like they weren't fitting him quite, wa- quite right. It does feel bad like that there isn't like one photo or one video of joswiak or cook or whatever wearing the head wearing the thing and doing something with it i don't know like that feels a bit wrong to me they sh- they should do it even if it's in a controlled environment with like you know the, the 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 today show or whatever like it just sits wrong with me i guess the pictures that they took during these demos the battery pack thing i don't think it's like nefarious necessarily the battery pack is just sitting on the couch next to you and the emphasis is on the headset them the headset itself and the fit of the headset on your head. Yeah, and they could have 100% done a different angle where it would hide the cable. Like if they really wanted yeah. the most aesthetic photo, they could have framed it differently and they didn't. Apple, you know if you look at pictures of like the HomePod on Apple's website, you would think it didn't have a cable. Like they don't show the cable for the HomePod. It's the same thing for the iMac in a lot of pictures. Everything Every marketing picture Apple takes, for better or for worse, you think the product is completely wireless, and you also think you have a multi-million dollar home with fantastic kitchen and stuff, but it's marketing images for a reason. In my pictures of me wearing Vision Pro, you can see like the front of my my bangs are like ever so slightly trapped at the top of inside the top of the Vision Pro seal. Mm. And I didn't notice this while i was wearing it but i noticed it after the fact which i guess is a good thing that i didn't notice it while i was wearing it like it didn't it didn't make for any discomfort and i it's probably the same for the people whose ears were slightly folded over because if you notice that during the demo you're like oh that's uncomfortable let me fix that versus you notice it after the fact and you're like oh my ear was slightly folded over and i didn't notice it or oh my hair was slightly stuck ears being folded over is mostly just an aesthetic thing right like if you've got if you look at apple.com none of those models have their ears folded over when they're wearing this thing but i don't think ears being folded is like hurting like anyone who wears over ear headphones your ears get squished to pieces you know like yeah that's just it's just a reality of wearing the product i think my point there was more like if they were really going for controlled photos that just so yeah. happened to include you 
they could have done way more to like hide the cable, make sure your hair wasn't cutting, you know, pulling on the thing, move the band around a bit so the ears weren't covering it. Like, I don't really get what their problem was with just a random person taking a selfie with it. Like, that's where my like logic breaks down. But Apple is weird and they like controlling stuff. So let's talk about the Vision Pro content slash apps story. So we mentioned the press release that Apple published, what, was that earlier this week? And they name dropped a few of the entertainment apps that will be available on Vision OS. There's Disney, like we talked about, HBO Max, Paramount Plus, Peacock, and a few others. One that was not mentioned, though, is Netflix. Then a few days later, Mark Gurman said Netflix will not be available on Vision Pro. And that includes via a dedicated app on Vision OS or via the iPad app running on Vision OS. So by default, every iPad app on the App Store will be available on Vision OS, but developers have to go in and opt out of that if they don't want their app available. It's a lot like Apple Silicon Macs where by default, iPad apps and iPhone apps can run on Apple Silicon Macs, but developers can opt out. And a lot of them do. Yeah, we've seen a lot of big companies do that, and it seems like the same thing is happening with Vision OS. Doesn't surprise me. Any additional platform is a support burden that it's just easy just to turn the turn the checkbox off and not worry about it. Like, I wasn't expecting many developers to really go out of their way to make Vision OS native experiences. Disney mm-hmm. is clearly one of them, but obviously they've had a really close partnership with Apple on this. I think most of the other apps that they name in terms of streaming services in that press release, they're all just the iPad version. And then outside of like video apps, it's hard to uh, even give justification for any support. And then obviously with video apps, you've got Netflix saying they're not going to be there. They The the, press, the statement they gave to Bloomberg, uh, Mark Gunn basically said, you can access Netflix via the web. Like you can open Safari, go to Netflix.com, watch it that way. Okay, like obviously it would be better if they Which did a native app, is, yeah. but I don't really blame them for not doing it or even enabling the iPad version. Like, it's just a small market. Like, for y- 10 years, everyone's laughed about, like, the, the poor state of the apps on the Android tablets, right? And Android tablets sell millions and they still don't get attention from, from companies. Like, <laughs> you know, it's... And in terms of the Apple ecosystem, the Apple TV app store, the Apple Watch app store, the iMessage app store... A lot of these companies still have scar wounds and have invested a lot in some of these platforms and they haven't really seen returns. I remember Uber had a huge investment in the Apple Watch app at the beginning. They got stage demos and, you know, a live map as the car came towards you. And then, you know, apps on the watch weren't really a big deal. So it all kind of fell away and all of that stuff just became a distraction. Like, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that companies are not jumping on Vision Pro. It's going to be an indie platform to begin with. The passionate crowd of apple developers indie app indie apple developers are what's going to supply it and some people are like this is some conspiracy theory because they're making a revolt over the you know 27 percent purchase rules that or that we aren't going to have time to talk about this week but like you know or the just the general malaise of apple monopolizing the app store like i don't think it has anything to do with any of that if apple sold no. 10 million of these things netflix would have an app on there tomorrow you know like it's purely a function <laughs> of scale and if it's a small platform, it doesn't matter. A lot of these companies can barely bother to make an iPad app. Like, the iPhone's the only one where you're guaranteed to have an application. Mac, iPad, anything else is just, like, way, 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 way down the chopping block. Even Apple itself, for Vision OS 1.0, I 
half of their built-in apps are not Vision OS optimized, their iPad apps. And then some of the apps you can get stock on the iPad aren't on Vision either, like the weather app or the clock app. Not not on Vision OS at all, not even the iPad version. Like even Apple itself has has made cut has made choices here about what apps they want yeah. to really dedicate to. And and I didn't expect like third-party developers to jump on Vision OS, but I kind of hope that Apple would, you know. But even Apple's got like half the apps that come with the with, come with the headset are just the iPad versions. And then you've got a few outliers, like four or five apps that are on the iPad stock that aren't on Vision OS at all. And some of that will improve over time, right? You know, there'll be updates and they'll get more on board. And we just talked about earlier how like Keynote has a a really nice Vision mm-hmm. OS native application, but numbers and pages don't. That will change in time. But even Apple isn't prioritizing it as like a number one objective. And practically speaking, why would they? Because it's like the number of headsets this thing is going to sell this entire calendar year is what, like 400,000? That's less than the amount of iPhones they sell in one day. Like, it's just a function of scale. There's no conspiracy theory. There's no, like, you know, revolt going on. It's just how many things you're selling. Okay, you're only selling a few hundred thousand. We don't need to worry about it. It's it's way... Rather than paying for a support team and burdens and any of those complexities, it's so much easier to turn the checkbox off. And if you really want to use Netflix on your headset, go to the website. If you're really that outraged about it, don't use Netflix, you know? Like, at some yeah. point, that's that talks numbers. Like, once you get into millions, Netflix will come along. But they barely Netflix barely supports the Apple TV, you know, a product that does sell in the millions. <laughs> like, they have an app, but it's not kept up to date super, super frequently. So I'm not surprised in the slightest this is a situation. And I also don't blame the companies for, for opting out. This is just a reality of market dynamics. Also, apparently, no Spotify or YouTube... YouTube one is a little bit disappointing, but again, YouTube.com. I'm, I think the problem is we haven't, nobody's had enough time in the web browser in Vision OS yet to know just how good that experience will be. We also don't know if, it's on the iPhone or iPad, right? You can, and now on the Mac, you can save websites to your home screen, save mm. web apps to your home screen. We don't know if that'll be a thing on Vision Pro yet. There's at least going to be like bookmarks in Safari. But will you be able to put the icon on your home on your Vision OS home screen? I don't know. If you can't in one point you'll be able to do it in like Vision OS two yeah. or something, right? They'll make they'll they'll make that work. But like the Mac couldn't do it on Safari until literally this last version, right? So like it some of this stuff takes a while. And if you do want to see the the Vision Pro as a dedicated computer, then just go to Netflix.com, I guess. Like that's almost <laughs> a, that's almost a validation of of the product, you know? Like yeah. it is more like a computer. Uh, obviously a native app would be better and i'd love a native app i'd love a native app of netflix to exist on the mac too but it doesn't and the mac sells millions you know <laughs> come back when the vision pro sold 10 million units then the calculus is way different i am happy though that for the disney plus integration as we said before they're doing those cool environment stuff they're doing those they are committing to streaming in high resolution 3d with high frame rates like that's cool um and it does show a path for a future of better stuff when you know there's just more units sold i don't think it's many more complicated than that so one more thing we should talk about before we wrap up that we forgot about during our discussion of my demo the keyboard in vision os oh yes so this has been the topic of much debate some people say it's terrible some people who haven't tried it say it's terrible most people who tried it this week seem to think it's okay, not great. You're not going to write hundreds and thousands of words using it. 
Now, that's pretty much the camp that I fall into. So you can, there are basically two ways to type on Vision OS. You can put a keyboard out in front of you where you reach out and actively act like you're typing each key. And Vision Pro gives you a, some haptic feedback, some spatial audio feedback to tell you that you're typing. Or you can look at each letter on on the keyboard and with your eyes and then just do the tap gesture to kind of tap one by one. Neither of those are solutions for typing a lot, but I could absolutely see myself doing the one where you reach out and type on the keyboard itself for jotting down things in notes or reminders or going to websites in Safari, all of the more basic stuff. Posting on social media. like Exactly. If you're using your Vision Pro to post on threads all the time, then... You yeah, can I that. think if you're going to be doing like work work, you're probably going to pair a Bluetooth keyboard, right? And type on, you know, if you're typing in pages or whatever, you'll pair a Bluetooth keyboard and you can write your book in spatial if you in the <laughs> spatial computing environment. But more, I, uh, you know, look at the examples that Apple shows themselves. A lot of them are keyboard deprioritized because I think even they admit at the beginning, you know, you're probably not going to be doing that and. The, the, but the system keyboard to me obviously I haven't used it but it seems good enough that like mm-hmm. you're not going to be like super frustrated if you want to use it every now and again you're not going to write a book with it right that's when you're going to pair a keyboard you're probably if you're if you're working all day at a desk environment pair a keyboard and mouse you know you can do that um and you can even pair a mac screen to it if you bring a mac along too like it would be obviously there's a future where you could like see the headset where you could just rest your hands on a table and if you can touch type, you could just touch type even though there's yeah. no keyboard there and it could like look at the exact motion of your fingers and know what you're clicking on, right? And know what you're trying to press and figure it out and type that in. And that would be superior to the kind of like hunt and peck system that they have at the moment. But that isn't there for this version. That's a future future work. I think what they're shipping is not like a disaster. It's fine. It will do the job. I, I, when the re- we'll see for sure when the reviews come out, right? But I bet the keyboard yeah. is not high on the list in terms of limitations. There's there's a laundry list of things you can level against this product before you get to the keyboard situation. So I think that's everything for Vision Pro for now. Can you think of anything else? I think that's about it. Obviously, Apple announced their immersive video stuff, um, which they didn't mention. Like, this is another thing with the rollout of this product. It's like, they could have just mentioned this before, but they literally waited until like this very, very week to say it. Like the the immersive video format, which they gave no demo, they gave no example of in that original press release when it said it's coming out on February second. A couple of weeks later, they're like, "We have four things that are launching uh, for release day," and they are kind of like demoware things. They're basically what you've seen in your demos, right? There's a Alicia Keys example. Uh, there's a wildlife nature series. There's the adventure one. That's the one where they have the person, you know, highlining on a tightrope mm-hmm. over a ravine. And then there's a prehistoric planet immersive edition, which takes prehistoric planet, which is the Apple TV Plus like docu series about dinosaurs. And then they've made it into a 3D video. But the the thing about the thing that separates immersive videos from the others is the immersive are like 180 degree 8K recordings. Right. These come from the next VR acquisition. Right, where it's fully immersive in like a full, all-encompassing video environment. So that's like the the creme de la creme of what you want in the headset. But the fact is, almost no content in that format exists today. Literally, those four things are the only things, and we have no idea if there's ever going to be like a full-length feature film or a full-length TV show in that format. 
So it's very much in the demoware category. What's going to be more commonplace is the 3D movies from Hollywood, right? Because they already make 3D movies for cinemas. They can release them in 8K, in, in 4K resolution. They'll look nice. If they put them in high frame rate, they'll look nicer. And then obviously you've got all the 2D content too. The immersive video stuff is like the aspirational demos uh, that hopefully Apple invests in and makes more of. But as of right now, it's like a fully proprietary format that, you know, any individual person cannot go out and make an immersive video piece of content, even if they want to pay for all the camera equipment. They don't even know what camera equipment to buy, right? Like it's so proprietary <laughs> at the moment, only Apple can make it happen. And they haven't really shot anything new since WWDC, it seems, right? You've got Alicia Keys, you've got the nature, you've got the highlighting, and you've got a dinosaur. So it's okay for launch, but I remain somewhat skeptical whether they'll like have a continuous stream of this content or if it will just be like launch day demos and that's it for a while until the Vision Pro ecosystem takes hold. It's a, it's a chicken and egg situation. I will just say the Alicia Keys one is my favorite. It's fair. It's the one that really doesn't feel like a a dem that created just for demo purposes. It's actually very cool and it's I think I wrote a few months ago about how m- this type of stuff the the music, the concerts that we've seen other VR companies do, like Samsung for instance has been doing VR concerts for a while. Stuff like that, especially in immersive video, that's what I get excited about when I think about Vision Pro especially. That is the future. It's just a question of when we get there. Apple only has the technology or most of the technology to do this because of the next VR acquisition. Because Apple could team up with Disney or whoever to Mm -hmm. let them or entice them to also make immersive videos. But that's something we haven't heard about yet. Yeah, they haven't committed to that publicly yet. So we'll see. I think that's all for this week, though. Next week, we'll hopefully have... More vision part. Do you think we'll get reviews? Probably not till the week after next. I think the week after, yeah. But I'm sure we'll have some more Vision Pro tidbits. There's plenty of news we didn't get to. There'll be stuff. Apple Watch drama, yeah. App Store drama. Lots of drama next week. In the meantime, you can find us on Apple Podcasts where you can leave a rating and a review and find an ad free version of the show for $5 a month or $50 a year. Send us feedback, happy hour at 9to5mac.com. I am on threads at Chance H. Miller and Mayo. What about you? At Beezaday Mayo. All right. Thanks, Mayo. Bye-bye.